Take your prayer list if you need one. Raise your hand there and we'll have Brother Teddy get you one. Um, at 87 this morning. And uh, five first-time visitors. And uh, praise the Lord. God has answered our prayers. They, now that was the second opinion and he agreed with the first doctor that basically there's no cancer to worry about. And so uh, we praise the Lord. And, of course, there's continued prayer needing. There's still healing that needs to be done there. But uh, praise the Lord at this time, there's no chemo, there's no radiation, there's none of that stuff. And so uh, that's just something to praise the Lord about. All right. Any other praises to add to the list? Uh, Leah. Amen. Praise the Lord for salvation. Rita. Amen. His grace is sufficient. Oh, amen. And uh, praise the Lord for safety on the road. Had to go to deposit on Tuesday in Vernon, Connecticut on Wednesday. And uh, the Lord protected us. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Charlene. Okay. Praise the Lord for the choir this morning. Yes, that was very good. George. Amen. Yes. Yeah, I think she had that track several years, actually. And uh, you, wasn't that true, Peter? Okay. And uh, it, it's interesting. You plant the seed, and uh, you just have to let the Lord do the work. 
Amen. Step number one is done in the ceiling downstairs. They came yesterday and got uh, all of the first brackets up. Now we got about three more steps, so Lord willing, by the end of April, we'll have a complete new ceiling downstairs. And uh, we'll be about three quarters of the way done at that point. Brother Franz. Uh, in Orlando last Sunday night after services and she told me that she went to church again and so I praise the Lord for that and I hope that she tells me the same this evening and uh, I also praise the Lord for giving me Friday off so that I was able to go to a, a fellowship meeting with pastor and it's a blessing and uh, just praise the Lord for uh, the baptism today as well. Amen. Fit. Amen. So hard to believe Charlie Barkowski got married on April 1st. You have to know Charlie Barkowski. Uh, but uh, he's a wonderful guy, but uh, it's just, it's too funny. All right. Anyone else? Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for. The one uh, uh, Yao, Chen, Yao Shen who uh, followed you in baptism, identifying with our church. We thank you for um, several uh, visitors and others that were back again. And, and uh, Lord, we thank you for Shirley's good report. We thank you for answering our prayers on her behalf. Lord, we thank you uh, for the... Uh, many other requests and, and Lord just the evidence that you are uh, working in lives every day we praise you that we know you are with us not only in word but in deed and Lord we thank you for your blessings on our lives we praise your name in Jesus name we pray amen for the front and turn to page 292 292, this is a beautiful song. It's called Nothing Between. Amen. Amen. There ought not be nothing between us and the Lord. Amen. Nothing between. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine, there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of his favor. of life, though harmless they seem, must not my heart from him ever sever, he is my own, there's nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that his 
Yeah, it's always hot up here. Oh. Gladly get a little ventilation going here. All right. Take your Bibles, if you would. We're going to jump around a lot tonight, so get, uh, get your fingers nimble here. And um, going to try to start a mini-series. I mean, that's the new thing with television, you know. They have these big, long series, so we're going to have a mini-series. Lord willing, this Sunday night and next Sunday night, and and the, uh, as one of the preachers uh, was preaching at the fellowship meeting, it, it just kind of uh, really grabbed my attention, and I, I just began scribbling furiously here, and uh, that's where I got some of this message from. But the difference between spirituality and scripture. There's a lot of spiritual things. Now tonight, what I want to do is contrast the two. And Lord willing, next Sunday night, we'll talk about how they're the same. And, and true spirituality always agrees with the true scripture. You, you, you have to have both. Um, but we have a lot that goes under the name of spiritual. It has nothing to do with scripture. In fact, it's one of the tools that the devil uses more than anything else, I believe, to take people who are wanting to do right, who are wanting to search for the truth, and using that to lead them astray because something that is spiritual is definitely not something that is of this natural world. 
And uh, we're going to start in the book of 1 John, chapter 4. 1 John, chapter 4. The, the first major contrast between what is spiritual and what is scriptural is you have to test the spirits to see if they're scriptural or not, to see if they're true. First John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, it is difficult if you have been involved in uh, some of the cults that are out there, uh, some of the churches that teach half the truth, I'll tell you the uh, charismatic movement, the deliverance movement, the signs and wonders there, uh, uh, they, they kind of all fit under the umbrella of, of what we call the charismatic or the sign-seeking movement because uh, they, they really have a lot in common, but I'll tell you, there is a reality to what is going on in these churches. It's not a bunch of people getting together saying, how are we going to pull one over on them today? That kind of movement could not sustain itself a week, but now it's well over a hundred years that this charismatic movement has been with us, and, and, and barely a hundred years, I, uh, in fact... The Azusa Street meetings, you always get that mixed up, 1903 or 1906. Uh, I, Well, anyway, it's one of the two. So, I mean, uh, if it's 100 years, it's just this year or three years ago, 103, just barely there to that, to that uh, uh, mile marker there. And, and there's a lot of spiritual phenomena that goes on in these churches. The question is... Is it biblical? Is it real? Now, of course, you've been around here very long. You know what we say the answer to that question is. And here's why. It says you have to test. You have to prove the spirits. Now, when we come to the Scripture, is there a verse in the Bible that says test the Scripture? to prove that it's right. The words of the Lord are pure words. It says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Amen. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. There is a lot of spirituality out there. Is it of God? Some of it is. Some of it ain't. And saying it's not here tonight, so I won't bugger with it. The Bible says, You, beloved, believe not every spirit. Now, how many times you turn on television, you see some well-dressed, nice guy out there, and he's got a real heartwarming message. I mean, it just makes you feel good all over. 
and you just listen and say, boy, that was so encouraging. It's not like those sermons I get at church where where I just get told everything that's wrong and, and all these problems. I mean, I just feel so good when I'm done. Could I ask you something? Would you try the spirits to see whether they truly be of God? It may be spiritual. It just may not be truth. That's one of the great differences between spiritual and scriptural. How many of you have gotten one of those little cards as you're walking up the street? Sister Deborah, spiritist. You ever gotten one of those? Or, uh, well, yeah, I think it is Sister Deborah. It's up here on uh, 30th Avenue. Yeah, just before you get to the train station. I thought I had the right one. And uh, there's a great big... Uh, thing that just opened on 31st Street, just north of Astoria Boulevard there. They got a whole storefront, astrology and big purple letters. That color lets you know a lot. I mean, no. Uh, you better watch those things and test those spirits. Never, ever, one time in the Scripture will you find God saying, test the words of this Bible. He, he, he did say in the book of Malachi to the Jewish people, he says, you prove what I said by obeying the words that are in here and see if I don't bless you for being honest with your tithes and your offerings. Now, that's in the book of Malachi, but he's not questioning the words. He's questioning your obedience to the words. There's a difference there. And so... What we want to do is, 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 I want to warn you, there is just so much out there today. Uh, I had no idea who Joel Olstein was a year ago. There we go. <laughs> Don't watch that guy. He is spiritual. But the spirit he is talking about are going to one day reside in hell. Has nothing to do with the scripture. It is Eastern religion veiled in the words of the Bible. It is the God that dwells within you and how that you need to improve yourself and how that you have everything within you to improve yourself. That's blasphemy. We were created in the image of God. But we fell through sin and we were born sinners and there's nothing in you that can get you closer to God. There's nothing in you that God can use. You've got to get everything that God wants. You've got to get it from God first. And we prove the spirits. One of the ways, one of the easiest tests that you can give to any of these radio or television pastors if they preach out of an old King James Bible I don't know of one, with possibly the exception of Sun Young Moon, that will use an old King James Bible. Now, do we have to talk about Sun Young Moon? I think he flunked the test before he was born, amen? I mean, you talk about, I, I don't even know, they're, they're just... No pleasant adjectives that describe him. I mean, the nicest thing you can say about Sung Young Moon is he's a heretic. 
that's the nicest thing you can say. Hmm? Creflo Dollar uses a King James Bible? Uh, okay, well, there you go. He's got a King James Bible up here, but he's got to translate it because he's not smart enough to read the words, I guess. Well, it's Creflo, give me another dollar. Yeah, Paul. No, but his radio station, you listen, they read out of every version under the sun. He, he, he has taken a stand against King James-only people like us. No, Charles Stanley uses New King James almost exclusively. It sounds like a King James, but he preaches out of, in all of his books. He uses the New American Standard, the NIV, and in most of his preaching, he uses the New King James. Charles Stanley is, is no friend of the King James Bible. Uh, I don't know anyone that's on television. Jerry Falwell is no friend of the King James Bible. In fact, without his money and his influence, we would have never gotten the New King James Bible. We jokingly in Bible college called it the New King Jerry version because he thought he was going to make a lot of money off of it and finance his college. And, and it, it's just interesting how God does things. The worst-selling Bible in the English language was the New King James Bible until Jerry Falwell got rid of the copyright, and then all of a sudden it's the number one seller in English. T.D. Jakes, I don't know that he's ever used the King James Bible. Uh, he, he is not a Bible-believing man. He is, he is way out there in the personal self-esteem movement the signs and wonders and all of these things. I mean, you can name almost any one of them. They, they are not preaching the gospel according to this book called the Bible. Spiritual? Oh, yeah. Man, I, 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 I promise you, you listen to T.D. Jakes, you're going to feel things during the message. You, you listen to some of these guys. I mean, Creflo, give me your dollar. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, these, these guys out there, you're going to feel things. And, and that's another difference between, we're, that's point number three, actually, uh, is the difference between what is spiritual and what is scriptural is what is spiritual will always produce feelings. What is scriptural will always produce obedience. You see the difference? That's, uh, if, if, if you don't mind me getting political for a minute, that's the difference between conservatism and liberalism. Liberalism is we want to feel good about it. Conservatism is we want to do something about it. Now, according to that definition, 90% of Republicans and almost all the Democrats are all liberal. We have very few people that want to do something anymore. You know why? Because you get in trouble when you do things. People get mad when you do things. In fact, I guarantee you will encounter very little opposition in your desire to serve Christ as long as you keep it in the realm of feeling and out of the realm of obedience because the devil's not interested in how you feel he is interested in what you do. 
And so we have a lot of feel-good preachers. Our generation has been called the Prozac generation, has it not? I mean, if we have a problem, there's got to be a pill, a pill, a pill to make me feel. I tried to say pill and feel at the same time that came out feel. But uh, there's got to be some kind of pill out there to make me feel better about my problem. Now, I'm glad we feel better about Shirley Lynn's problem. Amen? But we feel better because something's happening. Yeah, medical science was involved, and there was an operation, and there's things going on there. Uh, and, and we want a thorough investigation. I mean, we don't want this thing just to go unchecked and create more problems. But I don't believe that the reason why they get, got a good report is just because the doctor did a good surgery. I believe it's because a lot of people prayed for Shirley. And I believe God wants to answer prayer. Amen? See, when something nice happens, we'll often find ourselves saying, God is good. You ever done that? But let me ask you a question. When is God not good? Every time somebody says God is good, uh, I'll usually say, but he can't be anything else. Amen? He can't. Even when bad things happen, God is still good. That's the difference between spiritual and scriptural. See, I don't have to feel good about it for it to be true. Amen? In fact, it doesn't matter what I feel. It just better be in agreement with the words of this book. And if you'll be honest with the words of this book, your feelings will catch up. I don't know how else to say it. Feelings are like little children. Now, I can tell you a little bit about little children. Can't I, Philip? If you don't run little children, and what I mean is dictating to them everything they should do, how they should sit, how they should button their shirts, how they should talk, how they should not talk, you dictate every little movement to little children, don't you, Philip? Say yes. Because if you don't dictate to little children, if you don't run every second of their life, they'll run yours. And if you don't believe me, just go into the supermarket sometime, or worse yet, go to the toy department at a Walmart. I want this. That's a little child whose life has not been run. If you don't buy this for me, I'm going to scream. I've heard that in the store. My wife grabs my hand and starts leading me the other direction as quickly as possible. I'm just likely to say something that is not going to be kind, but will be true. One of my favorite stories is, I don't know, I think it's a joke happened here and it was during the Christmas shopping season in Manhattan in front of those one big stores where they had all the cars lined up and you just walked out and got into the 
the limousine drove off and there was a whole line of limousines waiting on this one little boy who wouldn't get into the car. And his mommy was pleading with him and, and, uh, and he was stomping his feet. I'm not getting in the car. No, 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 no. And there, I mean, a whole line of cars behind him. Everybody was blocked up. What are you going to do? Finally, a man walked up and he says, he said, ma'am, I'm a psychologist. Maybe I could help your son. Oh, would you please? So he just reached down, whispers in his ear, and they take him. Walks right over, sits down in the car. Doesn't say a word to close the door, drive off. And uh, the mother just looks and pops in the car. As they're driving off, she said, what did that nice man say to you? He said, if I didn't get in that car, he's going to grab me and beat the fire out of me. Now, I don't know if that ever happened. I don't know if a psychologist is honest enough to say something like that. But, I mean, it, it does illustrate the point. It does motivate. Amen? Here is something else that we're going to go back and pick up point two here. And, and we'll get some scripture in on feelings versus obedience in just a minute. But... It says, test the, the spirits. Prove them. So let's talk about the difference between the proof of spiritual versus the proof of scriptural. Now I'm just going to read you some verses, and I want you to listen very closely. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. When something is totally in the realm of the spiritual, the only proof that is offered is signs and wonders. And when someone gets up and tries to start proving things, this years I've dealt with people about doubting their salvation. And, and, and uh, when a person doubts their salvation, I'll often just let them talk and and before too long, out come the signs and the wonders. Well, I, I feel convicted when I sin. That, that must prove that I'm saved. Wrong. Well, uh, I, I feel uh, that, that, uh, that um, and it'll go on and on and on. I love to tell people about Jesus. It must be salvation. No. But... I just love church, and church isn't a natural thing to love. So if I love coming to church, go over to St. Pat's. 10,000 people every Sunday morning. Is that truth? You cannot prove scriptural through signs or wonders. But you don't know the way I used to live. I had changed so much. Anybody ever read the story of John Lennon? He changed so much when he found that Japanese woman that he decided to hook up with. I don't think they... Did they ever get married? Maybe. Kind of. Who knows? They did. Okay. I don't know anything about that. I just know that everybody says that she destroyed John Lennon's life. He had a big change. Um, who knows, maybe he stopped dropping LSD. I don't know. But uh, 
There's a lot of people that have changed incredibly. That doesn't prove anything. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, is good for doctrine. That's what we believe, amen? By the way, if you don't believe it enough to live it, it's not doctrine. It's just fluff. It's lemon meringue without the lemon. How many of you have ever had a lemon meringue pie? You know what that is, right? Have you ever tried to eat just the meringue off the top? I mean, that is a worthless endeavor, except for one thing. If you're diabetic, it'll kill you because it's loaded with sugar. But there's absolutely no flavor at all in meringue. It's egg whites stuffed with sugar and whipped up nice and fluffy. And that's what a belief is that's not backed up by practice. Doctrine for reproof. You know, that's totally missing in our day and age, is it not? Not here at Open Door Bible Baptist, amen? amen. I mean, we got enough to pass it around and spill over the top and give it to some people walking down the street, amen? amen. But we need reproof. Correction. Reproof is worthless without correction. My saxophone teacher used to tell me, Practice does not make perfect. He said, now I've got to unteach your practice. He said, practicing perfect makes perfect. He called it the magic circle, and he'd draw it around the measure or piece of music I was working on sometimes. And uh, he'd say, now slow it down till you can play it right. But I can't play it that slow. He says, that's because you're not playing it right that fast. Now, slow it down. And, and I mean, if you know anything about music, normally a slow piece of music will have 60 beats in one minute, about one per second. And he'd make me slow that thing down to 10. And I'm sitting there going, duh, for one short quarter note. He said, you got it right now. Work on speeding it up. That's how we have to start in doctrine, amen? We've got to get it down slow enough. And praise God, He cares for those of us that are not blessed with incredible thought faculties, amen? He, he makes it simple. So we can get a hold of this thing and we can just move slowly. Now, did God use signs and wonders? You bet He did. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by thy name of thy holy child Jesus. Acts 5.12 says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Acts 14.3, Long time therefore they abode speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now, next Sunday night, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the agreement between the spiritual and the scriptural. And this is one of the verses where they agree. When the signs and wonders confirm the words of His grace, then we can have something there. But can I ask you a question? Do we need any more confirmation of this book than what we already have? 
Is there anything that could happen today that would prove to you that this Word of God is more the Word of God than you already know it to be? If you can say yes to that, then you you got some problems of understanding what is going on in the Scripture. This book's already been proved, every word of it. It's already been confirmed. There is absolutely no need for anything else. And so when somebody comes along offering signs and wonders, you'd better, better, better be careful. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. We'll finish there. 1 Corinthians 14. We, we may get into 2 Corinthians here. But 1 Corinthians 14, and, and we don't have time to go through this whole chapter here. But Paul is dealing with gifts and the exercise of those spiritual gifts. Again, this is the realm of the spiritual in the church of Jesus Christ. And he is going through here. And really, if you take time to read this entire chapter, you're going to find out that Paul is actually presenting a treatise as why spiritual gifts are really unnecessary in the church of Jesus Christ, even in his day when the scriptures hadn't been completed yet. Verse 1, he says, follow after charity, follow after love, in action, love that gets something accomplished, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Look at verse um, 4. He says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now, one of the things we talked about, this realm of the spiritual produces feelings. The realm of the Scripture produces obedience. There's a difference. Now, it's really wonderful to have both, amen? And we'll talk about that next week. But the feelings come after the obedience, not before. Now, one of the great heresies that has been developed over the last all 75 years or so is something we call neo-orthodoxy. Anybody ever heard that word before? And in Neo, the word orthodox means that which is established. That's why the Greek Orthodox Church, they claim to be that which was established. And in that, they are true because they carry the traditions that have been established since about 400 A.D. up until the split in 1089 or 1045 or whenever the Great Schism was, somewhere in that neighborhood there. But... Um, as this thing called neo-orthodoxy came into being, uh, I think Reinhold Niebauer and some of these other guys were the proponents of this thing. And basically what they've said was, well, we believe the Scripture is Scripture, but it's really not real until it comes alive to you, until you really feel impacted by that Scripture then it becomes truth. Oh, wait a minute. Now what have you just done? You have made yourself 
the sole arbitrator of truth in your life. And you've given that power to every human being. And since human beings innately disagree with each other, now we have set the stage for what we know today as this little statement that just gets my blood boiling. Well, that's your truth. Don't say that to me. There is no such thing as your truth because if you can own it, it's not truth. Truth is not modifiable. Truth is not adaptable. Uh, That was the problem that uh, a former president of the United States had. He thought truth was like silly putty. You could just mold it in any shape you want. uh, I think he even tried to get the imprint off the comic page a couple of times and stretch it out and say, see, here's truth. And you know what the dumbest thing about? Was about 95 U.S. senators believed him and accepted his definition of silly putty truth. It's spiritual. It's just a demonic spirit, not a godly spirit. If your religion is based on your feelings, I'll tell you, you're going to run out of feelings before too long. You know where the happiest place in the world is? It's in a feelings-based, charismatic type, jumping up for Jesus church on Sunday. You know what the saddest place in the world is? It's that same building on Monday. Everybody's gone. The hoopla's over. There's no rock band to keep me hopping, make my blood pump and make me feel good. It's all gone because it's all feelings. And when it comes right down to obedience... Most of what is that charismatic crowd today used to be known as a holiness groups. They don't call them that anymore because they're the greatest group of whoremongers that ever walked the face of this earth. And they'll carry a Bible and smile at you and praise Jesus and it's absolutely blasphemous. You can't walk along with Jesus and ignore the truths that are in his word. But people do all the time. And they feel spiritual about it. One funny little story. My cousin sent me an email. Every once in a while, he'll send me a good one. And... uh, Talked about a guy who's driving down the street and must have been in New York because he had a lady behind him and she was in a hurry and light turned yellow and he decided he's going to stop for the yellow light. She'd been pushing him down the block the whole time and this lady came unglued. I mean, the window came down and hand gestures came out and filthy words started pouring in his direction. And uh, this part could never have happened in New York City, but there's a knock at the door and she looked up and there was a police officer standing right there as she's cursing this guy out and he arrested her. Took her down, fingerprinted her, put her in the holding cell and about an hour later somebody comes and opens the holding cell and brings her out and there's the arresting officer and he's just really looking like he's been horse whipped. He says, I'm very sorry, ma'am. He said, but 
when I saw all the sign language and, the, and heard everything that you were saying out your car, he said, I had noticed your Jesus first bumper sticker and your little gold, your little metallic fish and follow me to church bumper stickers and said, I just automatically thought your car had been stolen. <laughs> Isn't that a good story? Now, see, spirituality will allow you the freedom to say you believe one way and act totally different. Scripture does not allow you that option. You're not allowed because you're disobeying Scripture. You're either obeying it or you're not obeying it. And by the way, you don't have to feel good about obeying it. You just obey it. Amen? Because it is Scripture. You don't have a choice if it's Scripture. And that's why I want to warn you about the dangers of spirituality. It's out there. It's everywhere. And let me tell you, spirituality feels much better than Scripture. Spirituality gives you all the kinds of things, and they'll prove it, by the way. But if all you want is feelings, you know, lick your finger and stick it in a light socket. You'll get feelings if you survive. Now, please don't do that. It's dangerous. I caught Brother Saravia. We were working in the lights down there. And I said, do you need a meter? He said, no, I don't need a meter. Oh, no, this is hot, brother. <laughs> don't do that. It's dangerous out there. We live in a dangerous world. And as a pastor, we need to take a few moments and just warn you. Now, if you can find me one of those guys that actually uses the King James Bible exclusively, I'll, I'll apologize here, but I know none of the ones that were mentioned tonight do. That I know for a fact. And uh, you, you apply those rules. And funny thing is, Harold Camping, he talks about all of his study of Scripture, and yet he's reading out of John Calvin's commentaries. I got this just from the Bible. Liar. We can open up John Calvin's commentaries and read verbatim what you're quoting. Now, come on. Give us a break. I mean, we may all be ignorant, but we're not stupid. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would protect us against the dangers of spirituality, of the spiritual. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be able to try the spirits and prove what is good and what is wrong. What is of God and what is of the devil. Lord, we pray that you would help us not to succumb to the realm of our feelings, but to submit ourselves to the authority of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just take a moment. If you need to come and pray, the altar is open.